0: blog talk radio you're listening to trucking 101 surviving your first year with hosts rick and melissa grimm we'll talk about safety managing your money and real life out on the road our group has over 100 years of combined real world driving experience you've got questions we've got answers
1: hello and welcome to trucking 101 surviving your first year The show that will not only help you survive, but thrive in your first year. My name is Melissa, and my co-host tonight will be Rick Grimm, Jason Dirksen, and Dale Howard. Our mission is to find and pass along knowledge to new drivers that will make them the safest drivers on the road, and provide a firm stepping stone into a successful career. The topic for tonight's show practically smacked Rick and I in the back of the head. Literally. After it happened, we thought, how can we not talk about this on the show? I'll share that story in just a few minutes. But before that, Rick has a quick rant.
0: Good
2: evening. It's the uh, middle of the night for me. Melissa and I have been on a fairly hard, long run for the last two or three weeks, and, uh, but I had something I just had to talk about tonight. I was on Facebook and I saw a picture uh, of a three-truck pileup on I-81 and, and the, the last truck in the picture was a Warner, which uh, Melissa and I worked, released a Warner for quite a while. Myself, eight years, her six years. We met there and all that good stuff. So it kind of struck a chord with me. Uh, one of the things I did was I uh, I started reading the comments, and uh, a guy came on there and said, hey, all those trucks are uh, are governed trucks, and look at them. They're all piled up. That's the kind of drivers that they're hiring at these big companies. And I thought, oh, yeah, that's kind of right. Then I went on, and, and a lady corrected him and said, hey, you don't even know what kind of driver that is. It might be an experienced driver. They, they may all be experienced drivers, you know, what we need to do is understand that you know those guys are hurt it was actually a fatality in that accident and uh i thought to myself how the heck do these trucks keep getting in these pileups? why why do these guys keep following so close all the time they're having these horrendous crashes it's been happening for the last couple of years uh, especially in the winter time but here it is you know and towards the end of the summer <laughs> And so I thought uh, as I was going through Ohio, I was in a const- coming up on a construction zone. We had a sign that said, hey, the left lane is going to end here. And so I, I was over in the left lane passing a, a vehicle. I get over in the, uh, in the center lane, and the barrels are coming up that's going to cut that lane off. I look in my mirror, and here comes a truck just flying up. I uh, slowed down so he could get in because he wasn't going to get in unless I slowed down. And uh, he went by, and it was a it was a young guy. And uh, he went by, and there was two four wheelers right behind him. They were so close behind him that I didn't even know they were there. I had to actually hit my brakes to let them get in, or they would have been in the barrels. And I thought, well, I, I guess that kind of answers my question. That's how the the pileups happen. Is you know you get these guys are driving too fast, or doing something stupid, you know, and it just seems like that a lot of drivers are driving like the four-wheelers, and and I guess we all know the answer to the question. They're bringing these drivers in, out of the four-wheelers, and training them so fast that they really don't know how to drive these things. And you get a, a, a young guy out there with a lot of testosterone, and he may do something stupid, but we also know that we have the older drivers that are doing things that, that uh, are, are making us all mad here. And what I wanted to... Say tonight was I wanted to emphasize that, that as a group, as truck drivers, we need to start uh, trying to figure out how to help these guys out here who are coming into the industry. The FMCSA is supposed to be all about safety and all these groups that are out here talking about safety are supposed to be about safety. But the fact is they could care less about safety. It's all politics. The only person, the only people that really care about Our safety as drivers are the guys who are driving the trucks, and that's what this show is about, and I'm here to to, to ask you guys really start concentrating on finding these guys in the truck stops and terminals and things like that, and take them under your wing, send them to our show, and, uh, you know, let's start training these guys because if we can get these guys trained in in the right way, it's going to make the road safer for all of us. You know, and, and again, I want to emphasize that it's not just the young drivers that are doing it. There's some old drivers that are doing some really stupid things out here. Also, I'll tell you about one right now.
1: Yeah, oh my gosh, yes. But first, I am going to remind everybody that's listening. If you have a question, a comment, a topic, or a suggestion, press one, and we'll get you on the show. So we are here to answer your question. And provide an outlet for experienced drivers that want to share their knowledge. We can answer questions on living in the truck, managing money, safety, life on the road, compliance, and hours of service. The main focus of this podcast is, excuse me, I'm sorry, the main focus of this podcast is safety. And tonight's episode is all about load procurement. Rick and I had a personal experience and learned the hard way how important that is in a van. Um, we just picked up a load in Washington, and we were in Idaho at the time. We needed to make a quick stop at Walmart to do some grocery shopping, something we do like two, three times a week. So I pulled off the interstate, went down a road to a Walmart that we were very familiar with, and I'm riding down a road that is a posted speed limit, of 35 miles an hour. I'm going 23. I see a truck. Okay. I'll be nice. I won't say he was barely out of the parking lot, but he was rolling at a pretty good speed out of the parking lot. I mean, at least, at least 20 miles an hour. And he's coming up towards the stop sign. He starts to slow down. So I expect him to stop because he has a stop sign. He decided that he wasn't going to stop. He just rolled right through the stop sign Made a right turn and came into my lane. He had basically two lanes to make the turn. There was a driving lane and a turning lane, you know, one of those suicide center turning lanes. And um, he couldn't do it without hitting the curb. So he, I, I guess he, I think he was watching his trailer. I'm not trying to make excuses for him, but I've been thinking about it a lot. So I think this is what happened. I think he was watching his trailer and he didn't see me. So we pulled all the way over into my lane, the third lane on the road, and I had to jam on the brakes. going 23 miles an hour, and I just slammed on the brakes. I thought for sure we were going to hit. Luckily, he saw me at the last second, jerked his steering wheel, and then we avoided making contact. But I still had to slam on my brakes. I went to a dead stop from 23 to 0. You wouldn't think that would be a big deal, but we happened to be hauling effectively a tanker load. It was the big totes. They're liquid, so they slosh back and forth. If you've never driven them. That's what they do. You can feel it when you're driving, like when you're uh, going down a hill and pumping the brakes. You can feel the sloshing. So all the freight in the trailer slid forward, and I heard it. it boom, you know. Sorry if I scared you there. Oh, if you're sleepy, maybe I woke you up. But um, So we pulled into the Walmart, and I hoped everything was okay around and I saw the front of the trailer and it had a little bow in it. I was like, oh, no. So we opened up the trailer, jumped inside. All the totes, there was 11 of them. All of them had slid forward. The one that was in the very front just jammed right into the front of the trailer, made it bow out a little bit. They got all bent up. Uh, one of them was leaking just a teeny tiny bit out of the top from the pressure. So we had to go through a whole thing, call the company, uh, hazmat crew had to come out. They had to get the tote out, clean up the teeny tiny spill. It took eight hours, okay? Uh, and, and then Rick and I had a delivery to make. Luckily, everything went fine. We made the delivery on time. But, I mean, it was, it was just ridiculous. And that could have been prevented by proper load securement. So uh, tonight, I'm here to learn just like you. So without further ado, I'll introduce Jason Dirksen and let him educate us a little on load securement.
3: Well, hello. Good to talk to you tonight. I, uh, first of all, (laughs) first of all, I want to say I'm very grateful, very happy that nobody was injured and uh, there was not any damage done to your vehicle, uh, nothing lasting at least. Yeah. But, uh, this is uh, a topic as very important. Um, most of the time, we understand it for a flatbed driver. That's what I drive. I drive an open deck. It's actually a step deck. So the load is open, just sitting on the deck. We have to secure it. and Everybody knows that. Everybody's uh, very cautious about it. They understand that things have to be secured, but many times we forget about it in a van. And uh, after you guys called and talked to me this week about uh, your incident that you had there... I did a little bit more research looking into it. I've got books in the truck that I carry with me all the time that give you all of the reg- regulations on how loads have to be secured. And I looked through it, and absolutely, it talks about having uh, things secured in a van, having them uh, locked down. So it's a very, very important topic. Otherwise, you'll run into something even worse than what you've got. Now, you said you were running about 23 miles an hour. How heavy was the load you were carrying?
0: That was
1: 30,000 pounds.
3: I mean, 30,000 pounds, and at only 23 miles an hour, that load moved when you had to hit your brakes. Now, the yeah. – uh, <laughs> you know, the book, uh, reading through the book, it said that a properly secured load will remain secured under all conditions that could reasonably be expected to occur in normal driving conditions – or when you're responding to an emergency situation unless there's a crash, you know sometimes you get in an actual accident that even all of the securements you've done sometimes might not be enough, but that's a you know a very extraordinary search situation there. but when you're doing an emergency braking maneuver like you did, uh that load has to stay put or at least secured where it's not going to shift around in the vehicle. you know there's a lot of things that can happen, a lot of dangerous things. That can happen. I mean, we, we know about the vehicle accidents. You know, we can think of the loss of cargo, uh, you know, uh, the damage to the cargo, any damage to vehicles or for property. You know, we talk, we can get tickets or citations for having loads improperly secured, you know, which leads to the company getting more points in their CSA, gets to uh, higher insurance rates. You can go on and on, all the different things that can happen there. But even more importantly than all that, there's the possibility of personal injury or loss of life, either to you or to someone outside your vehicle. So it's very, very important. Um, and I, you know, I just don't think that they teach van drivers very often uh, about Not securement. How much? Uh, how much training did you get for securement? What did they
1: tell None. you about securement on Absolutely your load? Absolutely zero. Nothing. No, we zero.
2: got. We did. We were told. Uh, that we should have, uh, the shipper should provide uh, certain things and that we should put uh, something at the end of the load that the DOT expects us to have two straps or two bars yeah. up at, but, at but the end Rick, of the load.
1: you remember who taught us that? Dale Howard.
2: Oh, is that? Yes, that's oh, where we learned so, that
1: from. So oh, the I, company I, did nothing.
2: I thought it was from Lancer.
1: Nope. The company did nothing. <laughs> okay,
3: I, I stand corrected. <laughs> you know, it's And, you know, there's a lot of things we have to look at. Uh, You know, your cargo has to be contained or immobilized or secured in some way so it doesn't leak, it doesn't spill or blow off the vehicle or fall through the vehicle, that it becomes dislodged from the vehicle or anything. Or shift in the vehicle, especially a shift that would cause you to lose maneuverability or to lose functionality or stability of the vehicle. I mean, it's so critically important. And, uh, you know, you've got to have everything secured, whether it be the cargo, uh, it has to be the tailgate, if you have that, the doors, any tarps, any spare tires, any other equipment you have. All of those things are so important uh, toward being able to have everything secured. Otherwise, not only are you not in compliance, but you're putting yourself and others in danger. So. Yep you know there's there's a lot of things and we can get into a lot of technical uh things about the securement uh you know how much percent of the load has to be secured forward or backwards or sideways and it gets kind of complicated and convoluted as about anything that the government does or makes regulations about mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's uh you know it, but it's pretty important uh, so i'm going to talk to or bring on another fellow here. We uh, we've already mentioned him it's brother or Mr. Dale Howard. Uh, he's not a stranger to uh, the Let's Truck tribe at all. He's uh, a fellow so important he gets his own theme song.
4: I'm the guy who's the boss on this highway. So watch out what you're doing when you're coming my way. I do my best to keep you driving slow. I'm just a- doing my job on the highway patrol.
3: Now it's time for everyone's favorite DOT officer. 23 years in law enforcement, seven years as a commercial transport officer. He was a CBSA instructor and has conducted thousands of roadside inspections. He now serves in the driver's side of our industry, Mr. Dale Howard.
4: I'm just a- doing my job Yeah, I'm the highway patrol Well, I hope I
5: can uh, live up to... Hi there. I hope I can live up to the introduction. Thank you.
0: No,
5: oh, you already have. You already have. always do. Oh, yes. And, hey, so glad that, uh, that every... Uh, everybody's okay and uh it was a uh i guess an easy lesson to uh endure yeah
1: yeah thankful for that
5: where uh where would you like me to start
1: well, uh, our focus, I think, tonight is on van securement because uh, flatbed and step deck guys, you know, they have to take a class because their stuff is more likely to uh, fall on the ground or what have you. But van drivers, nobody teaches them anything, and they can still have bad things happen. So uh, why don't you go through uh, what a van driver needs to be aware of in regards
0: to securement?
5: Okay. That, uh, it's, it's a great point. And van drivers, uh, and that's traditionally what I have hauled throughout my career with dry vans and reefers, we were all lulled into that false sense of security that uh, we just put it in the trailer and it's out of sight, out of mind. And uh, unfortunately, that's not the case. Uh, cargo has to be secured, regardless whether it's in an open deck trailer, a uh fan trailer, a hopper trailer, uh, cargo has to be con- contained uh, by a tarp. So no matter what trailer we pull, cargo securement is a problem. For vans, um, everybody that's has uh, gutter drive in has usually got one or two load locks with them. And the load locks, the uh, ones that you jam in and ratchet the handle down, are just generally only good for uh, stopping general goods from falling backwards. They're not really uh, – they just don't have the power to stop anything from going forwards. Um, so that goes on to the next thing that that people have picked up. said, okay, we'll grab these great big – I think they're about a 4-inch by 4-inch uh, bar – Logistics bar, and they're yeah. always laying around on the docks, so we grab those, and we think, boy, here's something that'll be really good, so I'll put that in front of my cargo and and that should stop it. Well, they're rated for twenty five hundred pounds, so we think wow that's that's good, but that rating is only for a downward pressure they're only rated for having Uh, pallets stacked on them they're not rated for a forward uh, securement and that we all kind of get hung up on because everybody looks at them and goes wow these are great but really in fact they're not Um, the next thing if you've got the logistics slots in the trailer the ratchet straps are the best and I love those because you can tighten them up and they're a good, solid uh, front for you. If So you wind up at a shipper, and for example, you're gonna to load totes, and they need to start back uh, five feet or four feet from the front of the trailer in order to get your weights right. One thing you can use is just ask nicely if there's any pallets kicking around. You could put pallets down on the floor and uh, run the tote up into that pallet, and uh, use the pallet as a bulkhead, and then a logistic strap across the front. Or, you know, if all you've got is a bar, you know, we all make do with what we've got. But at least the pallet is in contact with the front headboard, and then the tote is in in contact with the pallet. Totes are a real unique problem. Uh, for us in transportation because they are liquid. I absolutely hated hauling them because I got the slosh. And you have to learn how to shift all over again and timing becomes everything. And that's what probably happened uh, in your case, Melissa, is the, uh, you made that brake application. The product inside the totes goes ahead and then it sloshes back, so that shuffles the the load uh, loose. And then when it sloshes ahead again, it just blows through whatever whatever securement you had in place, and it moved. Um, all we're ever trying to do in cargo securement is stop the product from moving, because once it started to move, it's gone, and there's just no stopping it. Does that make sense?
4: Absolutely.
1: Yeah, we had a of the bar uh, in front of our trailer because you know we just we didn't think about it. We weren't taught it, so that's all we put. And yep. yeah, it just it, it actually busted right through the bar and broke it in half.
5: It
2: ripped the bar right yeah.
1: out of the, right off
5: the wall. Yeah, because they're uh, you know again they're just designed for downward pressure, um, nothing nothing forward. Um, you know, in hindsight, it's always twenty twenty. And, right. and going forward, uh, you load that first tote and you put a couple of straps down and you strap it in place and uh, and then load, you know, maybe two or three more totes in and then there's no harm in, in more straps. Um, in the open deck, whenever I teach anything on cargo scu- securement, my my catchphrase is, some's good, more is always better. And the same thing goes through in a van. Uh, you can never have too much securement. And, and yeah, sadly, we really drop the ball with, uh, with vans because, you know, we don't teach cargo securement. You just put it in the trailer and close the doors and everything will be good. Put a load lock across the back and that'll keep the guys happy and... And ninety percent of the time, the DOT or the trooper isn't going to open the doors anyway. But you know, in in an incident, it really doesn't do us any good if if we you know fall into that trap. So yeah, same rule for for open deck as vans. Some's good, more is better. Another yeah, so, kind of.
1: I'm sorry. Go ahead.
5: Well, and another unique challenge that we face is shippers. Um, if you pick up a, for those of us who do drop and hooks, if you pick up a trailer and it's sealed up and, and the shipper has given you instructions, you will not break the seal. We're really left, you know, hanging out in midair because you can't break the seal. Um, McDonald's, for example, if the seal is, is, is broken, they refuse the product and it's mm-hmm. got to a point where we've been doing inspections and we're ready to go into a trailer and the driver's just begging and pleading us not to touch that seal because they will refuse the trailer. We've made phone calls to the shipper, you know, and, and to the receiver McDonald's uh, their warehouses and listen, all we're looking at is is cargo securement and, they're so concerned about eco-terrorism that if that seal number is different, even if law enforcement changes the seal, they're refusing the load. Wow. So, yeah, we 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 face a lot of problems, you know, in a van operation that that other segments of the industry just don't uh, don't face. But if you're if you're able to load the trailer yourself. Or able to get into the trailer after it's loaded, yeah, you really have to make sure that uh that it's loaded properly, and all the pallets are the front pallet needs to be in contact with either the bulkhead, at the front of the trailer, the front wall, or we have to put in our own bulkhead with straps or a pallet or or whatever to stop that cargo from from starting to move because once, like I say, once it started to move, it's gone and there's no stopping it.
1: All right. Now um, I have a couple of questions for you. Uh, You say the scraps are the best when it comes to uh, functionality and durability. If somebody was having their own trailer loaded and they were putting scraps in for securement, let's just go with coats. Those tend to slide forward and you do have to have them back from the trailer. If if we're yep. doing that and we're using straps, um, how many straps should we use uh, in and in what part of the trailer? Like, you know, how many straps in the front? How many totes? How many straps? You know, you know what I'm saying?
5: Yep. And if uh, if I was loading it, I would I would put four straps in the front against that very first tote, and I would make sure that that tote is never going to move. And then I. would uh, you know I'd load four more totes and I'd throw another couple of straps in or you know one strap on the front on the uh back of of that tote move back another couple of totes put a strap on it and uh that's more than secured but the uh the worst is is the front and uh that tote just can't move
1: right so you're looking at about seven or eight scraps total and the most would be in the front because of that gap there.
5: Yeah. And it's uh the standard rule applies, you know, most of the G force uh comes from product trying to move forward. Uh so that's where we have to secure it uh to the uh to the maximum is, is to the front
1: okay and uh one more question and then rick has a question uh in regards to drop and hook when a driver's picking up a trailer that's already been sealed um and they're not allowed to open the seal are they relieved of responsibility when it comes to securement
5: boy that's that 50 shades of gray mm-hmm. um in my agency yes we uh if uh you know we we pretty much knew all the shippers and and we knew the ones that were were very retentive and absolutely would not let a driver anywhere near it so if we broke the seal then and it wasn't properly secured then we let the driver secure it and then we resealed the trailer and sent him on his way cuz yeah there's just no way I can hold you responsible when you just pick the trailer out of a lineup and and I know in my heart of hearts that you can't you can't break the seal. But having said that, there could be somebody somewhere that, you know, has that mindset.
2: You had a question, Rick? Yeah, uh, going back to the secure, we're actually going to go back and pick up another round of that uh, load with the totes. I like the idea of uh, I know I can get a, a pallet from them. Put in the front. Uh, now, what I had planned on doing was actually—I uh, kind of felt like securing that first part was, was the best. I was planning on using four load bars and a and a strap.
1: Well, that's what we did when we were positioning the load. We put four load bars in the front.
2: Yeah, and I was going to add a strap to it. What do you what do you think about that? I mean, I, I know you said the load bars don't work as well, and we we certainly found out with, when that one doesn't work well at all
5: no no um you know it's uh, uh the best way uh honestly rick is if you can lay a pallet down and it's in it's contacting the front front of the nose of the trailer and then the right. tote contacts that pallet and then absolutely a strap and yeah load bars are are uh are your best choice and again some's good more's better It. Right. uh I'm going to try and find a picture that was sent to me. It was a load of totes and gosh, he had about 20 straps on that load. And it uh you know, it looks way overkill, but you know, is it really? Yeah. You know, yeah, that's he really, really you know, he, uh, that, he yeah. uh strapped every single tote and you know, if you've got the straps and you've got the time, hey, why not? Yeah
2: that's probably a good idea we we actually do I, I i do have the straps i have straps and we do logistics loads also so i'm you know i'm thinking but <laughs> when we went to the shipper the first load we picked up from them they had a little pallet in the front with some stuff on it and then they they uh and that was up against the wall and then they put the first tote up against it If if that had been you know the way they set it up each time and this had happened it would have absolute absolutely obliterated that skid and, and everything that was on it the way it went forward and then you know i actually stepped in there you know mr big shot and said let me put a load bar in the front here that'll <laughs>
5: that'll keep everything from going forward <laughs> yeah. well and, but, but gonna... you know what and that's you know to to uh, to your defense rick that's you did you did what everybody you know, and but by the grace of God, Kauai, because I've done it.
4: Yeah. But,
5: uh, yeah, it's it's really, totes are at the absolute worst just because of that slosh. And you have to make sure that uh, if you're laying a pallet down on the floor, then that tote is contacting that pallet and that now becomes the front of the trailer. And, yeah, yeah. you know, a couple of load bars, a strap, and... Yeah, twice bitten or once shy, I'm right? sure. Yeah.
1: yeah.
5: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And uh, I think, Jason, you were looking in the book and you saw something about uh, sealed loads. What do you got there?
3: Yeah, the uh, the book, actually. I have this load securement book. And uh, if you, uh, as a driver, would go to your safety department or your uh, cargo Claims Department, I don't know who would have it, but I'm sure that there would be somebody in your company that would be able to get a hold of this book. It's called Car- uh, Cargo Securement Handbook for Drivers. It's put out by J.J. Keller. I was told this is the driver, uh, the book that they use not only to train uh, drivers, but also to train DOT officers and to uh, that they follow this book. But it says in the book here that when you are – they said – the inspection rules do not apply to the driver of a sealed commercial motor vehicle who has been ordered not to open it to inspect cargo or to the driver of a commercial motor vehicle that has been loaded in such a manner that makes inspection of its cargo impracticable, which is exactly like Dale was saying, uh, you know, once you've uh, – if that vehicle is secured, the uh, then it uh, – according to what I'm finding in the book, then the driver is uh, relieved of that responsibility – uh, as far as being able to climb up in there, inspect it, make sure that there's straps in place or, or uh, some type of securement. And it, it doesn't always have to be straps or load bars. There can be cleating in the floor. You can actually put wedges in there, nail stuff to the floor, uh, blocking and bracing. That's what he's talking about with the pallets, putting that in there. And bl- uh, Many of the trailers, sometimes they'll load these bag things that they blow up with air, push against the side of the vehicle and the cargo and secure things in there. So there's a lot of stuff that you can use. I mean, you can use manila rope. You can use wire rope, uh, straps, uh, blocking, bracing, friction mats. Uh, friction mats might have even helped a little bit in your situation. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of different things that we can use and that are available to us. Now, as a company driver, sometimes it might be difficult to get a hold of those things. But especially as a, uh, you know an owner-operator, which, uh, which you guys are, uh, some of that stuff uh, kind of becomes your responsibility to, to get if you, if you need it. Um, I agree. But if you have if you have uh, I mean, if you want to learn more about this and you're going to your safety department and asking about this, uh, I'm sure they're going to be happy Uh, if they if they're not and they're upset or bothered. But you're coming and asking, trying to learn more and how to be safer. um, I'd be a little concerned. Yeah. Yeah. If
5: if, if the safety department is annoyed with with your questions, then you're probably working for the wrong carrier. (laughs)
3: <laughs> exactly. So,
1: okay, I mean, there are uh, so many
3: different things. Go ahead. Go ahead I'm sorry. No, you go ahead. Well, I mean, there's so many different things. I mean, they have a whole list in this book uh, that lists all the different things that it would include, and not, not only. I mean, it's not limited to these things. I mean, grab hooks, uh, different bracing, uh, ratchets, D-rings, pockets, different binders or shackles, winches, all of those different things. And uh, you know, granted, as a flatbed or open deck, uh, you know, driver or operator, those are you going to use a lot more of those type of things. I mean, I've got chains on the truck, I've got straps, I've got uh, extra winches. Uh, I, I the last load I hauled, they they braced things up against the the spools and nail them to the floor to also help block and brace all of these different things. And those things can still be done inside a, uh, a van trailer. When I drove van years ago, the company issued me a crowbar. They said, this is for when they put loads in your trailer and nail them to the floor, you can go in there and you can pull the nails out. So they're expecting that to happen. Now I, I have seen, I have seen some vans before, uh, when i worked in a warehouse this guy pulls it back in his the floor of his trailer looked like a gymnasium floor i mean it was polished and buffed out i mean it was it was shiny it almost hurt your eyes and uh, he wasn't going to allow you to nail anything to his floor so maybe that limits him on what he can haul i don't know <laughs> but uh as a especially as a company driver which is most likely those that are listening to the show here being in their first year you know, all, use all of those things. And if you if you ask a shipper, hey, can you block and brace this a little bit more? Can you can you help me here? They ought to be willing to help you a little bit to find the right stuff. Um, if not, I would. if you feel it's unsafe, don't, don't haul it. Call your safety department. Talk to them. Say, hey, I don't think this load is secured enough, and they won't do anything to help me.
1: Yeah, you know, in our case, I think, a, yeah, I think it was a, a little bit of an issue of complacency because, Uh, shippers have always taken the securement under their responsibility. They'll do the the nailing on the floor and the airbags and everything. So we just figured if the shipper didn't do it, that it didn't need it. So we went to this shipper and picked up this load. They didn't put anything in. We asked them what we should put in, and they said, whatever you want. And we were like, okay. Um, And so it was a little bit of a complacency because the shipper had always taken care of it before.
3: Uh huh, and that can happen and a
1: lot.
2: Yeah, I've actually picked up loads where we've nailed them to the floor. Uh, uh, heavy, uh, heavy metals, uh, copper. Went to a place in El Paso, and and I had to go in as the the driver, and they would set the load down. They would tell me where they told me where to put the first. The, it was blocks of wood, and then I had to nail the woods to the floor, and that held this copper. I'm I'm sure it would have, you know, of course in a crash, it wasn't secured from the top, but if there was a emergency stop, it would have stopped that copper from moving, and uh, it was, you know, it seemed like a pretty secure thing to me at the time, that's been years ago when I saw that, and that's the only time I've ever had that kind of securement on a load where, you know, where it was actually nailed down.
1: Yep. So I just want to talk about um, one more thing that I think happens to most van drivers is they pick up a load that is preloaded and they'll probably pull it out of the door and it's fully loaded up against the wall of the trailer, probably almost all the way to the back or maybe to the center, however it is, but it starts at the front of the trailer and they work their way back. What kind of a securement do we need? I'm asking Dale, sorry. What kind of a securement do we need for that type of load?
5: Well, if, uh, uh, if they're loaded nose starting at the nose and it's in contact with the uh with the front bulkhead of the trailer and then every pallet coming backwards uh is in contact with uh you know with uh, the pallet in front of it then uh that's in the regulation uh bracing and the, uh, each pallet now becomes a bulkhead, so everything is secured for the forward motion, uh, side-to-side motion. They're supposed to have void fillers in there—those little airbags or cardboard or, or whatever they put in there—and then the back end of the trailer needs. Uh, here's where your your load locks come in, and again, I use I like the straps or put two load lo- two load locks in and then put a strap in, the strap up tight, and nothing can fall backwards. So the the biggest securement is the front of the trailer, because that's what uh, is impacted the most with the G-Force. And then uh, rearward only needs a couple of load bars, and, and you're good to go.
1: So mostly what uh, van drivers need to be concerned with is those heavy loads that have to be backed up from the front wall of the trailer.
2: Correct? Yes
5: yeah. They would need to find yeah.
2: out If that has been in, in fact That would be
5: Loaded right to the nose
2: Yeah almost imperative that they find out That it's loaded it to the nose
5: Really oh, it, it is because cause it's, uh, yeah. um, You know and if you're going to get into a trailer You know don't be afraid To climb over top of it Be very careful That you know you don't fall and and if it's safe and, and you feel comfortable doing it, you know, I would get up on that product, make my way to the front. Because, um, yeah, in a panic stop, if the product is loaded back of the nose, uh, pallets of freight will just go right out the nose of the trailer.
1: Yeah. Well, that, that tote, I mean, if I had been going faster, I know that that tote would went right through the front wall. It's just I was lucky yeah. enough to be going slow. So um, for the guys that can't crawl into the back of the trailer and check and see if it's loaded all the way to the nose, they should ask the shipper uh, how they loaded it.
6: Yes. Yeah.
1: Okay. Okay. So I think we covered everything on that topic right there, unless you think we missed anything, Dale. You think we covered it all?
5: Oh, gosh. Uh, we've just skimmed the surface but yeah I think that gives everybody a good basic understanding and uh, a, a good starting point and again please don't be shy uh, the safety department's not your enemy uh, there is no such thing as a stupid question and uh, yeah don't be afraid to ask and you know seek out people that you trust uh, you know we've all got buddies in the industry and and you know just ask their opinion and if it seems to make sense then you know what it might be worth something Um, again I'll reiterate enforcement we are not the enemy and please don't be afraid to drive around the back of the scale and walk in and say you know what I've got a question and they will probably hand you a cup of coffee Uh, the the scale at income in in Idaho uh, they actually have a coffee pot and they're they're more than happy if you come in and the coffee's $0.25 cents and just ask some questions because it's so much easier to fix a problem before it becomes a catastrophe. That's right.
0: Yeah.
2: I'll tell you one thing. After what happened to us, I will never view securement of any kind of freight, not just totes, in the same way again. I'm serious about it. About the securement from now from now on. I was pretty pretty serious about it before, but it was more with the logistics, loads, and stuff that you know obviously had to be tied obviously, down, yeah. yeah, or they would fall over and stuff during transit. But you know now, you know, Anything. I mean, it was just amazing to open that trailer up and see how hard those things came forward.
5: Yeah.
2: So, well, and uh, and,
5: you- and you guys, please don't beat yourselves up too bad, because but by the grace of God go I and yeah. it it was more good luck than good planning throughout my career that you know I never got caught you know in some yeah. kind of an incident so yeah lesson learned uh I'm very very grateful that 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 you guys shared this with uh with your listeners because it's it needed it's a lesson that needs to be learned by all of us, and if we can do it and not have the incident, then, wow, you've done an incredible yep. job.
1: Yep. I, mean, I mean, At least the incident you know, turned into something good. we got a great topic for the show, and I hope uh, a lot of people learn from our mistakes.
5: <laughs> well, and uh, just maybe a heads up, let's not come up with topics that way next pretty soon. How does that sound?
1: <laughs> we'll, we'll try not to. Yeah. Um, but if anybody <laughs> has any questions on the load securement, you can press 1 or if you have anything to talk about regarding low securement, press 1, and we'll get you on the show, or anything else. Um, and if you're listening to a recording, Dale, can they contact you if they have any questions?
5: Oh, absolutely. If anybody, uh, I'm on Facebook, um, anybody's got any uh, anything to, uh, any question, yeah, please just. hunt me down on Facebook and uh, I'll be more than happy to give you my number and we can chat and and I'll do my uh, do my very best to solve whatever problems you've got
1: yeah and you can also go to uh, Facebook and search for trucking 101 on audio road and ask a question there Um, also I think Jason had a question for you Dale go ahead Jason
3: hey uh, Dale just out of curiosity how often when you were a Transport officer, did you have drivers stop in and talk to you and ask you questions about their loads? You know what? I actually, uh, great question, and
5: I actually had that happen quite a bit. Um, Throughout my career, I really made myself available to industry, and I taught uh, numerous classes, and I would go in and do driver's meetings, and, and I really worked very hard but chipping away at the us and them uh mentality so sure. i really had a good rapport with drivers and and i wasn't the boogie and and uh yeah i went through a ton of business cards and i would answer my phone day or night for anybody that had a question so it uh it happens quite a bit and and like i say from an enforcement standpoint we love it because we're all lazy if if you can walk in And I can solve a problem before you roll a truck. And now I have to go out and investigate an accident for four or five hours. Then yeah, I, I just as soon do it over a cup of coffee. Yeah.
1: And if you come across, I was just going to say, if you come across a, uh, a DOT officer that is not willing to help you try somebody else, because they're not all like that. I think most of them are nice. They have been in my experience anyways.
5: Absolutely. You know, and, and and great great point, Melissa. Are there are there horrible officers? Absolutely. Are there dumb truck drivers? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. But Don't don't uh, you know? Don't paint us all with the same brush. And you know, if you catch a guy and he's having a bad day, and I, I teach you know I go through this in my presentation at the CMC shameless plug, but uh, we don't we don't know what happened to that trooper. And cargo securement is kind of near and dear to my heart because I investigated a two-person fatality that uh, was a direct result of cargo securement. The driver had the bare minimum of tie-downs required for the load. One failed and two people died. And it's it affected numerous families, uh, affected me tremendously. Uh, you know and we forget about the first responders and the driver has never driven a truck since ever again so the impact of this is huge so yeah we we don't ever or i certainly never never ever answered a stupid question
3: they were all great questions
1: okay so uh we actually have
3: go ahead jason Hey, one more follow-up question, Dale. When you had a driver come in and say, "Hey, I got a question on this. If this thing's secured right," and uh, let's say you walk out there and it's not, how many times did you write that driver a ticket?
5: None.
3: Absolutely uh, never, never.
5: Ever, ever, and and I will speak for the majority of the officers. Um, we will get in the trailer with you, and we'll show you how it should be secured and do our very best to get you in compliance. Uh, I was very fortunate. Excellent. My agency, uh, our mandate was to aid and to educate the industry. That was our corporate mandate. Now, don't get me wrong, some days an education didn't come cheap, but if you were trying your best, really, can I expect anything more of you? And if I can help you out, then absolutely, absolutely.
1: Yeah,
0: Excellent. we actually have Excellent. a
1: caller on the line. We have a caller on the line. He's a Landstar BCO. We have Don in Illinois. He wants to talk about securements. Hello, Don. You're on the air.
6: Hi, how you doing?
1: Doing good. Doing well. Uh, yeah, Great, I, Don. I, I, Glad I to have you land. on.
6: Thank you. I run for Landstar myself, just like you guys do. I pull a van. I pulled step decks and flats. Uh, vans. First off, your floors are a lot slicker, so things are going to move for you. Uh, yeah. Second is if you've ever driven down the road and seen a flatbed or a step deck go by you with a loose chain on it, you're, everybody's automatically like, oh, my God, he's going to lose a chain. But if you ever notice that chain, it always vibrates towards the center of the trailer and forward. And uh, it will do the same thing in a van. Your load will do the same thing in a van. It will vibrate towards the center and forward. So as you, and if you're, when you're loading a load, even if you have a forklift pushing it forward, if he doesn't tilt his forks just properly or lower them just enough or have them too low, he might move that pallet slightly, a quarter inch or a half inch away from the one in front. And if that happens, by the time you get all the way back to the end of the trailer, you could actually have a six to eight inch gap if everything moved forward. So myself, personally, I do a lot of time. I carry 50 straps with me. Uh, I uh, When I pull out of a dock, I'll actually get up to approximately three to five miles an hour and just kind of really hit my brakes and move things forward. It slides that load forward. I've already strapped it down, but then when you get in the back, you'll find that last strap is loose again. So you just tighten it back up. and And as you go down the road, Go down 100 to 150 miles, climb in the back of the trailer if you don't have a seal, and check your straps. They'll they'll be a little loose. Tighten them up. Doesn't hurt.
5: Well, and, and that's a, a – I'll just jump in here for a second. Uh, great, great points. And uh, also, uh, in the regulation is within the first 50 miles, you are required to do one uh, cargo check. And, and right. the same goes in a van, and we we never, ever did that in vans. But, yeah, if you're able to uh, to check the cargo in a van trailer, then that's a requirement within the first 50 miles.
6: Or you, you can tell the guys that don't because you'll get to the other ends, people open their doors, and you'll see that last strap just hanging. And that's because they never checked anything, and everything's loosened up on them. It's all moved forward on them. And it will just slowly move forward up that quarter-inch, half-inch gap between the pallets. It'll just keep moving. You'll have that. But back up to a point of for Landstar, safety's really good over here. We have a good safety department and everything, but they're really probably not the people you want to call at Landstar about this issue. Who you'd probably want to call is the heavy haul department, the securement people that t- actually teach securement. Talk to them. They'd be quite helpful in helping you out with this.
1: Well, thank you. Good tip. Appreciate yeah, it that is a
2: very good tip. I and and I've actually seen that in our loads where you open up the door and, and that that strap in the back and I thought how the heck did that thing get loose.
1: You now, know? this would be um the checking the loads after 50 miles. Um that would only work if uh that would only work uh if you were allowed to break the seal or you didn't have a seal for the trailer. If you had
7: that had
1: to remain sealed. You wouldn't be able to check it, but you could do your trick that you do to try to move everything forward before you close the doors. That's that's
6: it. And I, I do that with every load. And I I pull specially loads that can break real easily. And I still yeah. do it. it because I'm not going to break the load. I'm just going to ship those pallets so they don't move as much. And even right. my stuff, even after doing that, I will still find stuff that will move. It just it's just an part of what we do. Stuff is going to move. Yeah. But I, and I'm not a first year first year BCO so or driver, so but I do like to listen to your
4: show.
2: I <laughs> uh, glad you like it and 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 thanks for coming on and 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 helping out with the podcast. No yeah, problem, Thank not, you.
1: Yeah, this show is not only for first year drivers, but uh, I said it in the open. It's for experienced drivers that want to share their knowledge. So feel free to call in again and give some more tips and advice. We'd appreciate it.
2: And if you see any guys out oh, there that need some continuing help, send them to our Facebook page and have them listen to the show.
6: I, I will. And thank you for your show and what you do. And like I say, it's like, it doesn't matter how much experience you got out here. it's You can always pick up a tip here or there.
1: You bet. Absolutely. Thanks. Thank you. Okay. So uh, normally we would only have five minutes left in the show, but I added a little extra time tonight because I knew we were going to have a lot to cover. So uh, we're going to go over a few more securement issues. The next issue we're going to go over, not really securement, more safety, uh, dealing with drop and hooks. So Edward Prince is going to come on and talk about dealing with drop and hooks. Hey, Edward, you're on the air.
2: Hey, Ed.
8: Hey, how are you guys doing tonight? Doing,
1: doing well, good. thank you. All right.
8: Well, what I wanted to cover about kind of, it's kind of like securement and it, and it kind of follows the same topic. And I guarantee you every first year driver that drives for a major carrier is going to deal with it one way or the other, but you're going to pick up a load from one of those large chain stores, whether Lowe's, Walmart, or, or Target, you know, you name it. It doesn't matter how big or small, but these, these large, Uh, capacity where where they just got a lot of uh dropping and hooking in the back of their stores so you're going to get there and you're going to get the delivery and they're just they're just going to tell you you know either pull pull one out and put another one in or put this one in and take that empty well you know you you're on these big trailer doors you got to open the doors and then now you got to back that open trailer back into your dock that's sloped down and if the load's not secure then it's going to fall right to the ground you know few boxes come out I've always dealt with that but I see it all the time uh, you know of course YouTube is full of it where the the just the two pallets in the back just fall completely to the ground just because the driver went down it too steep too fast or or they they stopped too hard and those two pallets just fell right to the ground and you know it, it's it is a pain and we we don't like it when it happens and you know of course a lot of the people talk about it, like, Well, it's not my problem. It's not my fault. I'm not going to get charged for it, but you know, it doesn't really matter. It's time, time away from you making revenue. That's just what's going to cost you the most. And it, it's, it just, it, you see it happen so many times. And it's mostly because of these, these bigger carriers get those deals, those shipping contracts with those chain um, stores that just have all those extra uh, stops or, or, uh, or they can, just, they can afford to leave trailers back there. So I, I just wanted to make that point.
1: Yeah, that happened to us. We were doing dropping hooks, and we, we got to the receiver. Now, we're real careful when we're opening the doors because we know that can happen. So I opened one of the doors, and all the freight in the back just started to fall forward. So he just closed it right back up and went inside and uh, let the guys know that we're going to need some help. The break about to fall out of the back.
8: Yeah. And that's, that's, that's one of the, probably the biggest things that happens is when, you know, they say, okay, go ahead and open these doors and, and back it into this dock. And uh, those, those companies, those, those, uh, those stores, those warehouses, you know, they're not trying to haul one type of equipment where it can all be uh, stacked and strapped in there, nice and neat. There's just all sorts of things in there and you're right. It, 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 it all, they just throw it in. They really don't care. You know, I, I delivered for Kmart a lot of years ago and, and the, that was always like that, where you, before we could even back into the dock, we had to unload, like, you know, the first three feet of the trailer just so it wouldn't fall when we were back into the dock.
2: Right. Yep. And you can get hurt also. that I, I uh, talked to a guy at a Warner Terminal years ago, and he was uh, driving a little van around, and uh, I thought he was being disciplined, but he said, no, he opened the trailer up, and he instinctively reached up when some freight started mm-hmm. to fall out, tried to catch it and it just mm. rinsed his shoulder back uh. you know, his arm back and and tore up his his uh, shoulder blade yeah
1: don't do that it's like when you drop a knife don't try to catch it
2: yeah, don't gotta, try to catch yeah.
1: it freight.
8: if it's coming out that's right that's it. yeah that's when i when uh when i was in when i was training i would always try to teach the drivers when they go to open the doors no matter what just yeah i gotta oh, you the first instance is to is to just you know yank them open uh, but you got to open them real slow, and you just got to watch out. Because yep. as soon as you see a box leaning up, just close it back. You, you know, yep. and let's call somebody to get help because stuff's going to start coming out. <laughs> yep.
1: Yep. Absolutely. All right. Thanks, Edward. Anything else you want to yep. add before we move on? Uh, uh,
8: that's that's it. Like I said, it's it's a it's a first year thing commonality because of these bigger carriers. It happens most often. Yeah. All right. Thanks, All
1: right. Ed. Thank Talk you, to you, Ed. later. All right. Now. Okay, we are moving on to Russ Morgan He's got uh, some advice about Hauling beer loads And he says he has a great story So Russ you're on the air
4: Hey Russ Hey how y'all doing Doing,
1: doing good well, thank uh,
4: you. Yeah uh, you know y'all kind of covered it with uh, Hauling uh, uh, The totes of liquid It's uh, uh, not quite as bad with the beer loads Um they uh, they tend to move they tend to shift especially bottles it's not so bad if you're hauling the cans but the bottles uh, tend to you know make the trailer lean they usually load them where they're top heavy uh, and a lot of times they'll put uh, cardboard honeycomb in the front of the trailer and they of course they're loaded back uh, the main thing is is you got to be sure and I don't I don't think I've been to a beer company where I've picked up a sealed trailer I think I've always had to go in there and secure the load and they usually give uh, uh, either a real thick cardboard to, to place over the back uh, or um, a thick plastic kind of honeycomb uh, to put over the back. And then I usually put uh, my straps uh, in X's across that load. Uh, and always, instead of using just uh, just the pull straps, I use the ratchet ones and really crank the heck out of it. Because um, a lot of times I'll have, um, you know, maybe a mixed load. I may have... Uh, bottles cans uh kegs uh you know kind of you name it in there and uh yeah so sometimes keeping that load from moving is uh it's pretty interesting as far as getting everything strapped down good usually they leave enough equipment in there uh, that i can do it and then all i gotta do is worry about just putting some straps on it so uh but had a a guy i trained uh when i was still an instructor uh here i don't remember how long it was but A little while later, his wife came through. Shortly after that, they started team driving. Well, uh, if you've been running vans long enough, you've probably hauled the great big rolls of paper. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. So they're hauling great big rolls of paper, and, you know, they've got it strapped around the back, and a lot of times, the way they load them in there, you can't walk to the front. You know, uh, these things are just way too big, and so they, you know, they had them strapped down good in the back, and, of course, they had the... uh, Oh, the little mats. What do they call those things? The little static mats they put on the floor so the paper can slide. Friction Friction mats. Friction mats. Friction mats. Thank you. Well, anyway, so Scott is sleeping in the bunk. His wife's driving, uh, and she's – I don't know. They've been driving a while. So she gets rear-ended by a truck. The roll of paper in the front of the trailer – Felt went through the trailer. Luckily, it fell between the tractor and the trailer. This thing was—I mean, it was one of the huge ones. It fell—it mm-hmm. fell out to the side between the tractor and the trailer. If it had got completely gone forward, it would have killed Scott for sure, no doubt. It would have, they would—they, you know, the trailer was what to, you know, so far forward. I, I mean, that mm-hmm. wasn't even her fault, and there was nothing that she could really do about it, but really makes you think about this load securement thing uh i i know uh when i well i very rarely haul uh the big rolls of paper now uh but if i do that's the first thing i do is when you know when they're loading i say hey let me put a couple of straps up here around the front you know you drop your drop your roll in there let me tighten my strap up and you know and then i'll tighten the back end down you know i mean i'll tighten this you know i'll put straps where i think i need them but i sit there and i actually watch them load or watch watch them being loaded down if i can now, i have picked up a sealed trailer before with it but i mean if i can watch it i i strap those on the front i do not want that thing coming through the front of the trailer and killing me yeah really
1: yep absolutely so. Okay. okay, I've actually lost control of the board. So Jason, um Russ, if that's all you got, Jason if
4: you could go ahead and put Russ back on hold. Yep, I think that's pretty much all I got. Uh like I said, we pretty much beat the horse to death with the uh uh with security. Not that we beat it to death. Uh we probably <laughs> can't talk enough about this, but yeah, we've um, uh pretty much covered uh what I got, so I'm good. Mm-hmm. All right, thanks Russ. Yep.
1: Okay, so it looks like Jason's disconnected too, so um Becky, I think you're the only one connected. You can put Russ back on hold, please. We've all lost connection for some reason.
5: Something we said?
1: I don't know.
2: <laughs> this has been this has been a the theme of our show quite a Technical few times. Yeah, yeah, right at the end of the show. It just kind of goes haywire. I think, actually, Kevin and Lisa are sitting over there. They're, yeah, they're messing they're with us now. Cra- they're down. probably
1: cracking up right now. They're testing us. They yeah. to see if we can handle it. But I'll tell you what, I'm going to bring, bring <laughs> Becky live on the air. No, I can't. Becky, can you put yourself live on the air? Um, I know you had a question that somebody wanted to ask that didn't get to.
0: <laughs> Hi. How are you all? Hi,
1: Good. Becky.
0: What's, what's the question you wanted to ask? Okay, this was from... Paul in Georgia, and at the very beginning of the show, when you all were talking about new drivers versus experienced drivers, his question was, how are they determining that these serious uh, incidents and wrecks are new drivers? He said he has been hit by uh, three times this year, and every single time it was veteran drivers nowhere near new drivers so
2: the 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 comments i was making i was reading the comments from the post on this accident and it was a simply a guy who was saying oh looky here it's a warner it's a speed controlled truck this is why they're having wrecks out here and i said the the next comment i read was a woman saying you don't know whether that was an experienced driver or not so uh it, it wasn't a matter of is it experienced drivers or is it inexperienced drivers? I think personally, if he's listening, I think that the the experienced drivers are probably causing more problems out here with their impatience with the scared new drivers, because I mean you're talking about guys who are driving 70 foot, you know, 60 to 80 thousand pound trucks, and it's it's nerve wracking. Them And these guys are out here, and they're all pros, you know. And I, I would agree with them. I think, I think the majority of the problems out here are being caused by these guys who think they're invincible behind the wheel of a truck. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm, I'm simply I, hoping that, uh, that the, the ELDs and the speed limiters are going to run most of those guys out of the business.
0: I, I believe so, too. And, in fact, I, I saw a study once that for serious accidents, generally it's not those that are in their first year. Because of exactly what you just said, they're fresh out of school, they're nervous, they tend to take their time a little bit more, look a little bit more, because they are nervous. It's that guy that's maybe two and three years out from school who's gotten a little complacent, he feels a little more comfortable, he doesn't take the same care that he used to. He's cutting a few more corners now because, well, I don't really need to. That's the guy you need to look for, not usually yep. the one that's fresh out of school.
2: I agree. Yep, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, I something that I've always done, I, I heard uh, my instructor in school said exactly what you just said. It, it's easy to get through the, the first year or two Without having an accident, but at the in your third year, statistics showed that you uh, you started getting complacent, and that's when you were most likely to have an accident. And what I've always done is, anytime I start to feel a little bit cocky or something, I visualize myself running up the road and rolling the truck. Yep. It, it brings snaps me right out of whatever complacency I, I'm in because it's I can't imagine. One of my goals when I went out here was to never be in a wreck on the road. And that's what I work towards every time I get behind the wheel is not wrecking the truck because I can't imagine anything more horrific than than wrecking a truck. And I'm, I, mm-hmm. I I hate the fact that guys out here who are driving fast are always putting me in a position where they can take themselves out and me with them. You know, I want these guys to slow down. I want them out of the industry. You know, I don't I don't want to help the guys that are out here uh, wrecking trucks,
0: you know. Exactly. Exactly. Well that was his that was his question and I think I think you nailed it is it's it's when you start getting a little bit careless, you start not, you know, paying attention quite as much. That's where the trouble starts.
2: Start pushing other people, other drivers.
1: Yep. Hey their- um um Jason, can you bring Edward back on the air? He's got a report from Swift about when accidents mostly happen.
8: Yeah, hey, hey you're live. Yeah, so so the report that Swift uh, sends out, it shows that the accidents are high between 0 to 6 months. And then they go drop off drastically, 6 months to 3 years, and then after 3 years they start going back up again. Now,
0: mm.
8: now our yeah, argument was, yeah, and our argument was was that well, nobody at Swift works, nobody's ever worked at swift past three years <laughs> you know once they yeah. once they get three years they go to somewhere else but you know they you, you look at their their driver pool and and i mean they've got guys there just like walmart 15 20 years so you know it's
7: well the and the amazing part about know. it
8: is what well, i was going to say real quick was was that their their driver pool is highly consistent of the six months to three years but that's And and that helps them But it doesn't Rate
5: the overall Statistics You know Right There you go And And to uh, To Swift's credit You know Everybody Everybody loves to Beat Swift up But I mean Look at the Number of power units And the equipment They've got on the road And Statistically uh, That uh, That zero to uh, To six months You know Those aren't catastrophes you know those are rub fenders knocked mirrors off uh bent dolly legs uh you know they're not the real major accidents because guys are scared to death and you know they are trying to be as careful as they can be but yeah after three years we're starting to get cocky and we haven't had a big incident and now we're starting to feel bulletproof and you know we are uh we're only a breath away from an accident.
8: Yep. 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 And then, and and that, the number that I was, uh, that I was uh, reporting back in, that was back in 2007. That year, SWIFT's accidents, out of all their accidents, 40% of all their accidents were backing. So, so that just tells you, like you're saying, they're not having catastrophes, you know, backing, that's that's you know breaking a light or hitting another park trailer that's not that's not tearing stuff up too much but but i mean it's it's awful nobody likes it because that, that just ticks you off more but you're right it's you know the the higher amount of accidents are those those uh those uh more veteran drivers that are have, having the bigger accidents
1: yep Okay, so I think we pretty well covered this topic, including uh, who has the most accidents, which was uh, an aside. I think it got started by Rick's rant, but um, anybody have any final thoughts before we... Oh, wait, hang on. We have a question on the air. Um, Jason, can you bring on Alan in Wyoming? Hello?
3: Hello? Yeah, Alan, you're
7: on the air. Oh, okay. Yeah, just a quick comment. Uh, I was telling the the doll stringer there a moment ago, I used to, I I was contracted on the central refrigerated for years. The last truck that I went on ahead and I picked up from them was a 2016 T680. This thing had a automated cruise control system on it, okay? It wouldn't just go on ahead and slow you down, but if you get down into LA and people love to do that left, lane to right lane in front of you, well, as soon as they go on ahead and do that, the truck could hit the brakes. So... Pulling a reefer, I've got a lot more reinforcement up in the front of my trailer than you would on a van. But what you guys are talking about with the low securement, the guys that are working for these bigger companies that are, you know, because a lot of the newer companies, the Swifts, the Snyders, everybody, is ordering that type of a system on the truck. So just something else to kind of think about when you're going on ahead and, well, maybe I don't need to, you know, get up in there and take a look. Just something else to kind of think about with it, you know.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Alan. Okay, uh, Jason, can you put Alan back on hold? It's weird. I don't have any control. I'm just talking. Okay, so um, I think we've pretty much covered it. Uh, anybody have any final thoughts before we close out the show? I'll take that as a no. Okay, so...
2: <laughs> nobody can hear us.
1: No, you guys can hear us, right? Yeah, we can hear you. We're just fine. Okay. All right. So um, I just wanted to let everybody know that we've got some show topics coming up, just in case you were curious. Uh, In the the very near future, we're going to be talking about living on and organizing the truck. Somebody's got some background noise. I think it's Ed. Jason, can you put Ed back on hold? There. Thank you. All right. That took care of it. Okay. So uh, living on and organizing the truck going to talk about winter driving very soon here, maybe in about two weeks, right around there, hours of service, owning a gun on the truck, recipes for cooking on the truck, how to survive training, and training the trainer. If you want to be a trainer and you want some tips on on what you should do to be a successful trainer, you want to listen to that episode, it'll be coming up soon. And uh, so we would like to thank everyone for listening. You can find all of our podcasts at letstruck.com slash audio road. If you have any questions, you can find us on Facebook at Trucking 101 on Audio Road. Like our page and ask us questions there. You can also leave comments or topic suggestions. You can reach us at Let's Truck
7: eight
1: five five eight hundred fuel or email support at let to let you know about the other podcasts on the audio road network on Sunday there will be rolling toe with Mike and Kevin Beckett at 9 p.m. Eastern Tuesday trucking with authority with Kenny Long 7 p.m. Eastern Wednesday rates and lanes with Rico sorry Rico Muhammad at 7 p.m. Eastern and destination health Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern even if you're a brand-new driver, I would check these shows out. They're a good way to educate yourself about the industry. And if this is the industry that you want to be in for a long time, you want to learn. So we want to sign off with a quote from one of our favorite best-selling authors, Larry Winget. Love what you do enough to become excellent at it. Otherwise, you don't. Um, Sorry, one more thing. To be reminded about the podcast, text LISTEN to 99,000 in the U.S. and 76,000 in Canada. Good night, everyone. We hope you'll join us next week, Saturday, 8 p.m. Eastern.
2: Good night.